Blog Talk Radio. Welcome one and all to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. This is Robert Rogers and I am the founder of Parkinson's Recovery, which provides support, information, and resources to individuals who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. The goal for each and every radio show is to be able to provide information that will help individuals get a jump start on their road to recovery from whatever symptoms they might be currently experiencing that are associated with a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. I have a very, very special guest today for many, many different reasons. One of the reasons is I have been talking with David Overton for now four years attempting to convince him to come on the radio show and share his incredible expertise. And I'm pleased and proud and delighted to announce that I have finally accomplished my mission. David is here today. He is a nationally certified physician assistant who provides integrated conventional and alternative medical care at his clinic, Natural Medicines and Family Practice, under the supervision of Dr. Richard Fayola, medical doctor. So he's from Lacey, Washington. David, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thanks for inviting me. You certainly worked on me, didn't you? (laughs) I did, that's for sure. So, David, tell everybody about yourself. Uh, Well, I live in the beautiful Northwest, uh, actually in Olympia, Washington, and one of the reasons I live here is because, uh, number one, the state is uh, fairly open to conventional and natural approaches, so I can do a lot more professionally, and number two, I just love the outdoors here. It's great to be able to go skiing in July on Mount Rainier and biking and boating and things all year long, so that's why I'm here. Now, we have a number of very detailed uh, questions and topics that we want to address today. But first, I'd like, if you could, to talk about how people work with you at Natural Medicines and Family Practice. Uh, Well, we can work with people, obviously, by face-to-face appointments, but that may not be practical for them. So we also do uh, telephone consults. And we can do internet consults. So, for example, we got a. Uh, I, on my website, you can find a lot of articles. And somebody called from South Africa about two weeks ago because they found that they were very sick. Found an article on Coxsackie virus, which is a fairly common virus that causes a lot of problems. Took that article to their medical doctor. Said, "Can you run the test?" They ran the test. They're abnormal. The person was infected with Coxsackie virus. The docs had no clue what to do about it, so he called us and we said, well, we can do an Internet consult. Uh, We can work with you and order labs. We can certainly work with supplements, but I can't prescribe any drugs. And so he wanted to know what to do, and I said, well, just go to my website, tell you the names of the drugs, and uh, get started on one. If it doesn't work, then uh, call us back, and we'll work with some other way to treat that virus. This is a live program today on this Valentine's Day. If you'd like to be able to call in and ask David Overton some questions, call the following number, 347-945-5555. 
888-528-5358. And I'll be delighted to connect you in so that you can have a direct conversation with him and get all of your questions answered. David, we're going to talk about a number of different topics today. How can people find more information about today's topics? Uh, well, that's a good question because uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there about uh, neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine. And I've been a bit remiss. I haven't written as many articles on that as I should. But if you go to my website, which is uh, www.natmeds.net, you can find there's a library of a lot of articles. And if you go to, um, I think, the hormone section, you can read uh, an article about master hormones, and it talks about uh, serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine, and uh, various topics like how the kidneys regulate them and whatnot. Uh, I wrote that article a number of years ago. There's a number of things I know differently, but you can get the basic ideas there. So almost anything I cover today, like even Coxsackie virus, you would find that in a certain in, under the immune section on my website. So a lot of the stuff I'll talk about, there'll be articles there, and I'll try to reference to those as we go through them. The topic today is dopamine challenge. Many people know, of course, about dopamine who currently experience Parkinson's symptoms. What is a dopamine challenge? Oh, well, I was going to put that at the end of the talk. We'll put that at the front. But before we do that, I know your primary listeners are, are concerned about Parkinson's, but dopamine is wrapped up in so many things. Um, about 8 to 17% of people have dopamine depletion, and I'm just going to rattle through a lot of the symptoms that are involved, involved in this. So it's not just about tremors and Parkinson's, but aggressive behavior, anemia, tension deficit, anger problems, balance problems, bipolar disorders, blood sugar, bone density, circulation problems, depression, digestion, dizziness, food cravings, can't lose weight, feel worthless, hand tremors, tremors, heart problems, high low blood pressure, can't handle stress, kidney problems, lightheadedness, low sex drive, mood swings. So I think you get the picture. There's a whole bunch of symptoms and problems that are related to low dopamine. Um, but I'll talk later how this dopamine challenge came up. In the past, it was difficult to know if you really had problems with dopamine. So Dr. Marty Hines spent a million dollars in doing a testing of serotonin and dopamine levels, and he finally figured out what I figured out a long time ago. He just put it into a more formal program. But basically, you start very, very, very specific supplements, and there are two sets of supplements. One is to bring your serotonin and doping up. The second is the kidneys make serotonin and dopamine in all the neurotransmitters, or most of them, so we'll explain that. And when you do that, here's what you expect. Number one, nothing happens. What you've proven then is that you have a huge deficiency of dopamine. It's like a hole in the bottom of the ocean, and you have to go from step one to step two to step three and start filling up yourselves with uh, supplements to boost your dopamine. In the lucky cases, you're going to start making some progress initially. In the cases that aren't so lucky, we, we then test the serotonin and the dopamine, and we take it from there. But later on, we'll cover that dopamine challenge a little bit more because there are some other things that can happen. For example, you can bring your serotonin up a little too quickly, cause a little nausea. That's expected. You don't freak out. You have to step back, adjust the program to get control of serotonin, and then go back 
and to bring up your dopamine. So in a nutshell, all of a sudden, we now have a protocol to use very specific supplements, again, to bring up your dopamine, to help your kidneys make serotonin dopamine, and you see what happens. The discouraging part, though, for people with tremors and Parkinson's is it can take a long time to see what's going to happen. And so I always counsel people, don't give up too soon. Dr. Marty Hines always likes to talk about a famous case where there was a patient who had uh, Parkinson's, and it's unpredictable. You could be working at it a long time, and you could be pouring a lot of supplements. And I believe this went over two or three years, but the story is everybody gave up on this patient except the prescribing person, so someone like me, and Dr. Hines. And what happened was one morning, and the patient, patient didn't give up, kept going at it. One morning his wife got up and he wasn't in bed and thought, oh my God, what happened? Went downstairs, found him fully dressed and cooking breakfast without any major tremors. Now, it did take two or three years, so you have to hang in there. That's a very expensive proposition, but I don't see you have any other great alternatives if you have Parkinson's. So how can a person do a dopamine challenge? Uh, you have to find someone who's trained. Um, and again, we'll talk about Marty Hines, Dr. Marty Hines a little bit. But he, you have to go through his training. And he is very, very strict that we cannot sell these on the Internet or um, utilize his supplements in any way unless you're a registered patient. I also have to remind anyone who's listening, I am a medical practitioner. I'm under the medical boards, the federal uh, agencies, the state agencies, so I can't just start treating people without establishing contact first. So uh, people have to call in and they have to become my patient first. And if that was somebody who was remote and not willing to come see me, that's not a problem. My staff will just uh, mail you or email you or fax you the registration forms that are required for us to start a chart. And then it could be as simple as once we've done that, I have to interview you, get some idea what's going on, uh, document some things for a chart, and then we could just send you the supplements and take it from there. Of course, if you have to go to step two or step three, and if you have uh, side effects or startup problems with those supplements, then you need to con uh, contact us. And just like with face-to-face -face appointment, we would instead uh, work over the phone or over Skype and, and manage those things. So that's called telemedicine. It is required for me to do that. Uh, people try to make an end run about that, but no, I'm a medical practitioner under the scrutiny of the medical boards and the FDA, so it must be done that way. And there's no way I'm going to violate my agreement with Dr. Marty Hines for a lot of reasons. So that's how people can get started on Dopamine Challenge. As I understand the idea then, David, it's really not a simple question of just pouring dopamine into the body if a person is deficient in dopamine. It's much more complicated than that. Well, no, it could be simple because a person... Uh, you know, they might want to just do a dopamine challenge and they get better. But I always have a fallback plan and uh, think about what, what else we might want to do. So you'll get an idea is if I just tell you about Dr. Marty Hines. He's based out of uh, the Midwest somewhere. I can't think about where he's at right now. But anyway, he's a medical doctor, and he figured out that uh, drugs and supplements that boost your neurotransmitters, so that's your serotonin, your dopamine, your GABA, your norepinephrine, et cetera, the drugs and supplements 
that boosts those neurotransmitters, drop them. So here's how it works. You start on Prozac because you're depressed, boost your serotonin, drop your other neurotransmitters in your serotonin, and the next thing you know, you're anxious. So you get an anxiety medicine. All right, well, that boosts your neurotransmitters again. They drop them. Then you're not sleeping, so you're on a third medicine. Then they go, okay, well, you're bipolar and started on that. So, again, drugs that boost neurotransmitters deplete neurotransmitters. That's the problem with Parkinson's. We're giving you something to boost your dopamine. We're ultimately going to drop your dopamine. Same thing with supplements. Like, I tried a lot of basic supplements like 5-HTP or uh, Cobb or St. John's Wort. I can't even remember anymore. I never use any of those, for one thing. Some of them damage your heart. But you might get some initial benefit, but you'll eventually deplete your neurotransmitter. So what Dr. Hines did is he spent a lot of time, and he has a patented supplements that he spent a lot of money to figure out that will bring your serotonin and dopamine and other neurotransmitters up in your bloodstream. But he also figured out, and again, he's got a patent on this, that the kidneys regulate the serotonin and the dopamine. It's absolutely mind-boggling and different, difficult to understand. I took it a little farther than that, figured out there's some other things that affect your serotonin and dopamine. But I want to try to drive this concept home because it's a very technical concept. And if you don't understand it, you won't take the supplements and you won't follow. Or if you don't want to understand it and you're my patient, just go with the flow and tell me if it's not working. But let's look at something, a concept that people might be able to understand. Osteoporosis, thin bones, weak bones. Once that diagnosis is made, everybody then starts on the treatment. That's not what you're supposed to do. I believe we posted on my uh, on my uh, website, which is www.natmeds.net, within the last couple of weeks, an article on osteoporosis. What you're supposed to do when the diagnosis is made is step back and order some other tests to see what's the cause. So here's my story. I have a patient, somebody else is managing her osteoporosis. They're doing her bone scans. It's not getting better. She finally says, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to order some tests. You're supposed to order an overnight 24-hour urine test where you collect the urine in your own home. It will check kidney functions, and it will check calcium levels. Calcium levels were too high because her kidney functions were not normal. So here's how it works. She's taking vitamin D, calcium. They don't build bones. U.S. government and many studies have proven that over and over and over again. But your kidneys filter out the calcium. So they pull out of the bloodstream. If they're functioning properly, they put it back in. Build bones, okay? She had kidney dysfunction. You look at the urine test, calcium level's very high. She's peeing the calcium down the toilet. So the same thing can happen with uh, the neurotransmitters, uh, serotonin and dopamine. And uh, Dr. Hines developed, um, he went through a lot of labs, and he finally settled with one lab. It's a DBS Labs, I believe, out of Minnesota. It's the only lab I believe in, and it can measure your neurotransmitters, whether you're literally peeing them down the toilet. I will tell people, though, if you get to that point that you need those labs done, the labs are for the practitioner. The labs are for me. They're not for the patient because they can't understand it and they'll really screw it up. And uh, I also use that with consultations with Dr. Hines because we'll, we'll work together and say, okay, here's the next thing we need to do and the next thing we need to do. Uh, so that's why it becomes a little more complex sometimes than just 
you, uh, giving people supplements for serotonin or dopamine, you have to understand the concepts and you have to work with those labs if necessary to straighten out your serotonin and your dopamine. So does that help, Roger? It's Robert, it indeed, David. As I understand your argument, then, you're saying that if a person is taking a dopamine supplement in whatever form, the body's ability to make dopamine is compromised. Is that why people have to take more and more medication over time if they're, for example, taking something like cinnamon? Uh, yeah, it's the same thing if you're taking a number of drugs to... Uh, you know, psychiatric drugs, uh, Wellbutrin, uh, Solex, uh, Xanax, any of those, it's the same concept. They may help you initially, but if you don't understand the other organs that regulate the neurotransmitters, and the heart is another big one, really big one, if you don't understand those, then what happens is you'll initially get your effect where your drugs are working, then they'll stop working. And it also doesn't have to be about supplements. We have a lot of people that are taking say, uh, anxiety or depression medications, and they think it helps them, but it quit working. They don't want to do any other rigmarole. They don't want to do any other testing. They don't want to do anything else. They just want to make it work again. So we just put them on supplements to help their kidneys uh, keep those levels going and some other supplements to keep to bring the levels back up in the bloodstream. And they're good to go on what other symptoms are, ADD, depression, anxiety, etc. What happens, though, down the road is if you are boosting your, sub, your neurotransmitters with supplements and you're helping your kidneys regulate put neurotransmitters back into you, inevitably what will happen in those cases is the side effects of the drugs will come out. If you look at the FDA information, what's actually mind-boggling is the drugs I just talked about, which are supposed psychiatric drugs, the side effects are things like anxiety and depression and sleep disorders and whatnot. So you have to believe your practitioner and you have to have a well-trained, well-experienced and adroit practitioner says, time to cut the drugs down. And you cut them down slowly and carefully. You don't just stop them all at once. And then before you know it, you're, you've got your, your neurotransmitters regulated and you're either off your drug or lower doses or the drug's working better. I get many, many questions from individuals who are challenged with figuring out how to reduce the dosage of their medications. Some people have tried to cut it down and yet it creates additional symptoms. Other people are just perplexed by how you go about doing that. What would be your recommendations to people who confront just this type of challenge? Oh. We do really, really well with um, side effects of drugs and managing and getting people off of drugs. Always did. Um, for several reasons. Number one, we already know who has side effects of drugs. The elderly, women, and children. Why? Because they either have smaller livers and kidneys or um, their kidneys and their livers are compromised. And relatively easy to figure out a liver compromise because you can see that on standard lab tests except you can't see your liver genetics on a standard lab test. But the big surprise is that about 60% of us have silent chronic kidney disease, and that's a diagnosis made with simple laboratory tests. You don't have any symptoms. Your kidneys aren't hurting. You check something called your filtration rate. It's low. Okay, you can't filter the drugs out. And uh, so just going through that whole routine for years and years and years, we did really well with patients. Next, I always believe make the correct diagnosis. 
what is really going on. It's not about treating symptoms. And there's always inevitably in every patient, there's a sequence of problems going on. It starts with your ability to get oxygen to your tissues. It's largely circulation, lung problems, and low red cell counts. Then there's immune problems. Then there's some other problems. Then there's kidneys. There's blood sugar and all kinds of things. Those are the things that get people from a physical point of view. We're not talking about spiritual, social, or emotional. They're always there. If you know how to look for them, you can find them, and you can prove it on lab tests. But the real exciting thing we're talking about, though, is your genetics. There are these genes called the cytochrome P450 genes, which is a big mouthful, and you inherit those. They do not show on standard laboratory tests in any way, shape, or form. I've known about these for a long time, and they determine how your body metabolizes or clears out uh, drugs. And only recently have we been able to test those genes quickly and relatively inexpensively. We see the person, we swab their mouth or cheeks, we get some DNA, and we get our results back usually very, very fast. And um, we were talking about this earlier, uh, Robert. And so here we have this report on a woman who was, um, she actually has uh, dementia, vascular dementia. I can talk about that if you'd like me to. She's been misdiagnosed as um, Alzheimer's. And she's really struggling, and her neurologists are trying to give her Alzheimer's drugs. Well, that won't do any good if you have small blood vessel disease in your brain. And so she was having problems with, uh, or she thought she had problems with an older drug, an antidepressant, that was helping with her sleep and anxiety. So she wanted to switch to something that was potentially safer. So I did. I switched her to a drug called Buspar, Buspirone. And what you, the listeners, uh, listeners can't know is that Robert and I are looking at this actual report here. And when you look at the genes, there's only four possibilities. The gene could be normal. It, you clear the drug out normally. You could be a rapid metabolizer where you clear it out really fast and I've got to give you higher doses of the drug. You could be an intermediate metabolizer, and that's kind of ACDC. Some, some drugs you'll clear them out faster, some you'll drug them out slower. Or you could be a poor metabolizer. So we're looking here and saying for three, four genes, she's a rapid metabolizer, and three different genes, she's intermediate metabolizer. And as you can see here, Robert, what happens is when she takes that Buspar and she takes it with some other drugs, the level of the Buspar goes up 200%. makes her sick. It took me a little while to get her to do this test and prove it to her. And then when she takes a drug for GI problems, gastrointestinal problems, it'll drop her uh, thyroid levels 30 to 50%. You can see this. Correct? You, okay. Now, one of her biggest complaints is that she wasn't sleeping well, so we had tried some melatonin. Melatonin is very specific. You have to use sustained release forms, very specific milligrams. We, I have my own supplements manufactured for that reason. But we had tried some melatonin in the past, and it didn't work, so she gave up. And I said, you know, I might just need to crank the dose up here a little bit. Melatonin is, is uh, handled by the 1A2 gene. And you can see right in this report, she's a rapid metabolizer. And the picture shows, Robert can see it himself, carry it on a gene. You give her melatonin, that gene will clear it out fast. It will drop the level 30 to 
So after we got the test to convince her, unfortunately, we had to, she had to spend the money for her to believe me, get this report and see it. I said, the first thing we're going to do is put you on our brand of melatonin and double the dose. We also know the higher that you go on melatonin, the more it becomes a, a neurological protectant agent, cardiovascular protectant agent, immune protectant agent. So someone like her, she already has immune cardiovascular problems causing small vessel damage in her brain. That's the problem with her um, memory. I'm going to crank this melatonin up way high now, and she'll finally believe me because she can read this report. Uh, so this is incredible. This is the future of medicine. If you give us uh, 10 or 15 years, almost all docs will be doing this. And I want to drive this home again because I showed another report from a different lab to uh, Robert earlier. And, Robert, you're not medically trained, are you? No. You don't have any medical licenses, do you? I don't have any medical okay. licenses, no. So here's, a, here's a, a genetic report. This is a person who came to me from a pain clinic. She's got anxiety, depression, pain out of control, all kinds of stuff. And with no disrespect for this person, this person's a, a nurse. I don't recall if she's a registered nurse or an LPN. But in the clinic she was going to, she was the one that was convincing the patient to do these tests. So let's look at this, okay? So she has a 2D6 gene. She's an intermediate metabolizer. And Robert, what you can see, here's a whole list of medications. You don't need the names of them, but it says avoid them, and it says use these other ones. And then here's another list that says adjust the dose. So for this, because of that gene, with this medication, it's a pain medicine, you'd have to increase the doses. Here's the cancer agent. You'd have to avoid that. Here's a long list of uh, cardiac, uh, pain, uh, anxiety, depression, neurological medicines, in each one, what does it say here? It says decrease the dose 25%, decrease the dose 30%, decrease the dose 50%. Okay, now let's look at the next one. She has a 2C19 gene, and she's an, an ultra-rapid metabolizer. What does that mean? She clears those drugs out so fast. Her liver's got the pedal to the metal on the gas, clearing the drugs out like crazy, Okay. Now, this nurse said she could not read this report. What does it say? What does it say for these drugs here, these antidepressants? What does it say? Well, it has different uh, entries. Increase up to 150% is what I'm Now, these are all ones that you for use for uh, gastrointestinal problems, uh, basically ulcer acid problems. What does it say? Increase 1% to 200%, 100%, 200%, 400%. Now, I'm not being in any way disrespectful to any medical provider, anybody, anywhere, but I also handed that to my receptionist. And she said, look, if you're going to use these drugs, you've got to increase the dose because she's a rapid metabolizer. So if someone's really committed, here's what they can do. I don't even actually need those tests if you believe me and give me enough time. There's some simple questions you can ask. Um, We'll go through it right now. Robert, um, do you know anybody that has a hard time uh, with caffeinated beverages? If they drink caffeine, they get uh, palpitations or jittery and they can't sleep. Yes, yes, I do okay. know people. So that would um, be, I believe it's a 3A4 gene. So if you want to spend the money, we'll test the 3A4 gene, which, by the way, is one of the benzodiazepine genes. So that's one of the genes that regulates your Xanax, clonazepam, uh, all those great things. Uh, Valium, etc. So, if you met a person 
and caffeine always cause that problem, then they'd be a poor metabolizer. We could just plug that into our software without testing any genes. I have to charge for my time. I'm sorry, but that's the way it works. And then we would look at any drug cleared by that gene. So I could do that with other uh, things. If you said, well, I took these drugs, they always made me sick, then we can figure those genes out. Or I took these drugs and I take a boatload more, well, you probably wrap a metabolizer on those. So you can start figuring that out. Or if you really want to know and you really want to get more accurate, then you spend the money for the gene tests. But um, I'm going to be very specific on these gene tests. Uh, most of the companies and providers are using them for chronic pain, certain cardiovascular problems, and um, anxiety, depression, ADD, etc. That's absolutely very foolish. Uh, the companies say there's less than 1% of providers in the entire world, like myself, that use it for every drug. Why would I only adjust those drugs? I want to adjust your hormone drugs. I want to adjust your acid medications. I want to adjust your antibacterials and antivirals, so I really know we're going to deal with those infections. Um, and there's a number of companies you can work with. Most of them have unreadable reports. You, even the practitioners struggle with it. So let's do this again. Um, Robert, you have no training whatsoever. This one's kind of unreadable, isn't it? it You've really got to look at that, don't you? Uh -huh, you just have to look. This one, what do you see? <laughs> arrow up, arrow down. That's right. Increases no, 20%, decreases 50%. Yeah. So we use uh, one company because... They make us work very, very hard to gather as much data as possible to bill it to your insurance. And if any listener wants to bill something to insurance, by law, I must see them. So unfortunately, some people may have to fly here, but that's just the realities of the medical system. Um, but they test more genes. They test a lot more genes than some of the other companies. They actually test your serotonin genes, your norepinephrine genes, and there's a transporter gene called COMT. You can Google COMT, neurotransmitter transporter gene, you'll catch on. So we can actually test those genes now. Imagine that. We can look at the drugs or supplements where we know how does it, how do, do I have to give you more or do I have to give you less? It's absolutely fascinating. And so with those kinds of tools, I can do so much better managing medications. And uh, again, if you, don't, if you can't afford the genetic testing, you don't want to come see me be, uh, uh, for that, then we can just work by experience. And one of the companies we decided to settle down with here is, uh, because they test more genes, is uh, they will bill your insurance. There's a heck of a lot of paperwork I have to fill out. And um, they'll, t they'll take what the insurance pays minus any co-pays or deductibles. But if the individual makes less than $50,000 a year, the max they're going to get charged is 25 bucks. If you uh, make between fifty dollars and $100,000 a year, the max minus your deductibles and co-pays is $50 a year. That is money well spent. You will get better effects. You will stay out of the hospital more. You'll have less side effects well-spent money. Then I want to make one more point because I can see you've got some questions coming. The thing that absolutely amazed me on testing my patients, and, the, and I actually, quite honestly, don't actually test that much. People bring me these reports from other clinics. They didn't know how to utilize it or didn't use it. And those were mainly pain clinics, cardiovascular clinics, and um, people uh, getting mental health care. All right, so it's not hard to imagine that maybe I've got some genes and I can't clear the drugs out. I've got some side effects. That, that's kind of, you know, pretty easy to conceive. 
But in those patients with pain and in those patients with anxiety, depression, and neurotransmitter problems, so I would also venture to, uh, I see more tremor patients than Parkinson's patients, 100% of those patients, that would be 100%. I'm going to say that again. On all patients that I saw, they also have these genes where they're rapid metabolizers or intermediate metabolizers, and you have to give them a lot more medication. And you can do that with confidence. You don't have to worry about side effects. If it was a narcotic or controlled substance, I definitely have to worry about tolerance and the medical board's coming after me. But if I wave the gene test in the, in the medical board or investigator's face, it's a defensible thing to say, this person needs more medication because their genes are clearing them out. And those auditors and investigators will back off, and I can continue to help those people at much higher levels of medications. So it's absolutely mind-boggling to do this. It's really a lot of fun. If we step back then and look at the big picture of what you're saying, many people believe that the issue that they confront is in their brain. The cells in their brain are not equipped to be able to basically create enough dopamine in their bodies. The story that I hear you reporting, David Overton, is that the issues for a particular individual may actually reside in their kidneys or even in their liver. Is that right? And in their heart. I'm going to drive that point home very carefully. Why do we use beta blocker medications? People may not have, they don't understand what that means. Actually, I don't think the average clinician does not being disrespectful, but beta blocker medications, they block something called beta, and they're typically cardiac drugs, so drugs like metropolol and carvedilol and tenolol, all these lols that you can't pronounce, but what are they actually doing? Well, with your norepinephrine and your epinephrine, which people mistakenly call adrenaline, that's the British term. I never use that term because if you use that term, what will happen is you'll go off on the naturopathic thing and try to treat your adrenals. But we're talking about the adrenals are not involved in very much. Trust me, I've ordered thousands of tests on adrenals, and I'm pretty unimpressed with that. So what a beta blocker does is blocking the effects of norepinephrine. Your norepinephrine receptors have alpha and beta receptors, so you're actually blocking that and... Here we go. Uh, Marty Hines believes that for most people, and I agree with him, serotonin regulates dopamine. Dopamine regulates norepinephrine. Epinephrine regulates, uh, norepinephrine regulates epinephrine, and epinephrine regulates GABA and acetylcholine. So what you're doing with the cardiac drug then is you're actually manipulating your neurotransmitters. And... Where I began to differ and diverge away from Dr. Hines, and again, I have the utmost respect for him, is when we were doing his protocol and we were doing the neurotransmitter testing in the urine, great, some people got wonderful results bringing up that serotonin, that sequence. Migraines, uh, anxiety, depression, fatigue, fibromyalgia, the whole host of things, but some people did not, and I did not. I did not get better. And in my, I didn't do very many neurotransmitter tests because I really quickly said something else is going on. But my serotonin and dopamine was ping-ponging all over the place. 
So I had to step back and go back to my psychiatric training. I have a great deal of psychiatric experience. And what you're supposed to do is laboratory tests or figure out what's going on. So there's a sequence, and um, I believe it's on, on my website. If you went to um, the immune infection section and then you went to infectious psychiatric conditions, um, that is straight from a textbook by Nicholas Ward at the University of Washington. It tells you the labs that you must do. So if you start uh, looking at people's laboratory tests, either ones that somebody did or ones you order, you start seeing these patterns of things that are going on. And so, again, there's a sequence of medical conditions. If you work on those medical conditions that are affecting your heart or your kidneys, your neurotransmitters could get better. But I did start learning on my own before this is I stepped outside of, of the protocol and started giving some of the dopamine products, and a lot of people got better. So you're right. If you work on the underlying causes, then your neurotransmitters might get better and you might not need to do all this rigmarole. And here's a really great example. A patient came to me only two weeks ago. Oh, he must be about 30 years old, and he's supposedly got panic attacks and all kinds of great stuff. But here's a big red flag. He has hand tremors. Tremors are not part of panic attacks. And I've forgotten my statistics, but if you have panic attacks, I don't remember if it's a threefold to five-fold or a five-fold, seven-fold, uh, but that means like something like 300 to 500 to 700 percent increase in the risk that he's going to have cardiovascular problems right now or later. So we don't try to convince him, put him on a drug, it's what he wants to do. Just do my basic lab tests. Basic lab tests, uh, if you do pay cash for them through us, uh, that's probably about 100 bucks, maybe 120. Built insurance, eh, it's a lot more. Anyway, here's what came back. 60% of us have silent chronic kidney disease. We don't know that. It's made on, on uh, to diagnose made on lab tests. He had distinctly abnormal kidney tests. His urine tests were very abnormal. And his white blood cells were not normal. So that's telling me I have an immune and likely immune cardiovascular and a kidney problem. If we work on those things, then we're probably going to get control of his panic attacks a whole lot better. If he only takes medications he will not do well over the course of his life. So, again, you have to step back and think about these things. Okay. I understood you to say that 60% of individuals have kidney disease. Now, that's six zero, not one six. Is that right? That is correct. And let me tell you how we figured this out. Um, as a medical provider, I was trained to look at certain laboratory tests. And then along, about 10 years ago, um, Medicare, which is the federal program in our country, uh, they sent us all a letter, and they must have worked really hard because at that time I was not taking Medicare, and they said, uh, hey, you take those standard lab tests and you have to do some calculations. It's work I have to do. I have to plug it into a formula. And you have to calculate something called your GFR. That's G as in good, F as in filter, and R as in rate. If listeners just go to the um, Internet and they plug in GFR, they're going to really quickly find these calculators and they're going to really quickly find the National Kidney Foundation. The reason Medicare, and they must have worked really hard because I wasn't taking Medicare then, but I am now, and uh, to find me, to send me a letter, they said, look, you have to calculate out this GFR or kidney filtration rate. Normal is 120. If it falls lower and the lower it goes, the worse it is, What's going to happen is these people are going to have increasing problems, and you would never believe some of the symptoms of uh, 
chronic kidney disease. Uh, it's I don't have my sheet in front of me, but I had about half of them. And um, the kidneys do more than filter. They regular cardi- regulate cardiovascular functions. They regulate your bones, your neurotransmitters, your body's ability to clot, just all kinds of stuff, electrolytes, etc. They're just just filters. So back to Medicare, they said you have to calculate these because as the kidney functions go down, 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 the person's probably going to die from stroke or heart disease before they need dialysis. That happened to my mother years ago. I didn't understand it. That happened to my father. I did understand. He wouldn't listen to me. That happened to my younger brother, dead at age 50. That happened to my closest brother, dead at age 57. That happened to me. Uh, optimal kidney function or stage 1 would be between 90 and 120. Stage 2 between 60 and 90. If you're in stage 2, you have substantial risk for cardiovascular problems. My kidney filtration was probably about 88. Mind you, I have no kidney symptoms. Drops about 72. I got into some big problems, and I couldn't get out of that until I brought it back up again. It's happening to my only remaining family member, my brother. His physicians missed chronic kidney disease. He's already progressed to the point that he has a variation of heart failure. He has serious arterial sclerosis. In my professional opinion, two small strokes. So that's why we check kidney functions. And it didn't take me very long to say, this is ridiculous to check it only in 65-year-olds. Why don't we check it in younger people? So I have a huge cardiovascular practice, and I have a huge uh, number of people that have kidney problems. And then again, if all they wanted to do was treat the kidneys, there's a few limited drugs that you use to help slow down damage. We have boatloads of supplements. And again, you have to step back and say, what damages the kidneys? Love to do a talk on that and show you that. But there's about four or five simple things that we find all the time. They're always there. One of them would be side effects of drugs. And if you go back and look at the genetic test, you can see I'd get in trouble that really fast if you had a gene that couldn't clear the drugs out. So again, I was trained, when you're dealing with neurotransmitters, you must do some testing go down the sequence, bing, bing, bing. If you find any of these abnormal results, you need to work on those because, number one, it might solve your neurotransmitter problem. Number two, if it didn't, well, at least you're treating some other uh, problem or degenerative condition or disease so that the person doesn't get nailed from there. So I have a distinctly different approach following the medical textbooks of why the neurotransmitter shot out of whack, which when we get to talking about brain scans, I'll tell you what I think is going on in a lot of people with tremors and potentially Parkinson's disease, but that's a whole other story we'll talk about in a minute. So questions about that? Did it help to clarify what I'm talking about? Yes, indeed, David. What I'd like to ask you to discuss in a little more detail are the issues that people confront who are really attempting to reduce the medications that they currently take. More and more people are finding options that are helping them get basically huge relief from their symptoms, and they're finding that they want to reduce the medications, but they are really challenged with that. You mentioned that that's one of the great successes that you see over and over again. How does that work with your patients, and how long does it take? Well, it all depends upon uh, how old they are, what stage are they at, uh, how many problems do they have translate that to how many abnormal test results do you have? So somebody who has a boatload of test results, it's going to take a little while longer. But also, your success is directly related to the skills, training, and experience of the uh, practitioner. I would like to point out that I have gray hair. You can see it. I've been at this for quite some time, okay? 
So, uh, great, if you start some natural approach and you do better and you have a practitioner who's licensed to and quite competent and care- careful and, you know, works off your drugs, that's great and wonderful. But where you need expertise if that didn't work. And then where it gets real tricky is if you're treating the correct problem and you're loading the person up with the uh, correct supplements, you're going to fill their cells up. And what happens then is you bring out the side effects of the drugs. And you have to have an adroit and experienced clinician, and you have to believe them. So one of the stories I like to tell is a woman who's got neurotransmitter problems. Uh, serotonin and dopamine are involved in your heart, so not surprisingly she has heart conditions. So not surprisingly she's on cardiovascular drugs. Well, it's a long story how... Um, coronary artery disease was missed and heart strain was missed and kidney problems were missed and you know, she had infectious cardiovascular disease. We could do a whole talk on that one. That's what got me. Uh, but I'm under control. I'm doing fine. But anyway, she was having all these problems and chest pain and palpitations and all this stuff and I'm dropping all these drugs in and got her taking nitroglycerin and all kinds of things because she'd seen several cardiologists. And you know, I'm kind of sweating here uh, because she's seen one, two, three, four, five cardiologists, and they're not getting that she has, um, uh, what do we call it? We call it a small vessel, um, multiple coronary, diffuse coronary artery disease, uh, very common in women. Women have smaller blood vessels, so they don't test well on the standard test. But anyway, she comes in one time, and she goes, you know, you're knocking yourself out here, Overton, but uh, and it's helping, and you're doing all this stuff, but I ran out of a drug, and I got better. I go, whoa, what'd you do? She said, well, I let that drug run out, and then I let another one run out, and I got better. I go, what do you mean got better? She said, I had uh, less palpitations, less chest pain, less dizziness, less shortness of breath, less arm numbness. I go, what'd you do? She said, I stopped all my medicines. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, you don't want to stop all of them because some of them are helping. They're dilating your arteries and helping your valves and chambers. And she said, yeah, I know. I just hung on to the best ones that you said I should take, and my symptoms all went away. I said, what do you think happened? She said, well, I got my act together and I've been exercising and eating healthy and you filled my cells up with all those supplements from my kidneys and my immune system and treated those infections in my heart and you loaded my cells up like you said you would and the side effects of the drugs came out and the same side effects of those drugs that you look them up in the FD information, chest pain, palpitations, lightheaded, and dizziness. So back to your neurotransmitters, same thing. You know, if you're trying to boost your neurotransmitters, Look at the current literature of what it says about antidepressants. They can cause anxiety, depression. They can cause sleeplessness, etc. And they also damage your heart, your kidneys, and uh, can potentially screw up your blood glucose. So they're damaging the very systems that regulate your neurotransmitters. See it all the time. So you have to have a practitioner that knows that. You have to trust them, and you have to work together with them. You don't generally stop drugs abruptly. You go down slowly on them. Uh, and not a lot of practitioners have that kind of experience or understanding. I'm sure there are plenty out there, but nobody that I see in the patients that come to me. So it can be very easy or it can be very difficult and challenging. So if it's challenging, we just have to hang in there and work together as a, as a team with my patient. Does that, that help you understand a little bit better? Well, it does. When you say that a person then is going to be reducing the medication, how in the world does that work exactly? If they're taking, for example, a capsule or a pill three times a day, do they simply take half of that capsule? Or what do you recommend in terms of working with the person? We're all over the place because it's whatever it takes. 
So yes, if you had a three times a day, you'd go to twice a day. If you had it, then you'd go to once a day. It depends upon what you're taking. It might be in the morning, it might be in the evening. But even before I had the genetics, I was customizing all over the place. I'm going to say it again. Even before we had the genetic tests, we know who gets into side effects: women, children, the elderly, people with liver problems, people with kidney problems, people with blood sugar problems. If your blood sugar is high or low, uh, it affects the kidneys and the liver, so therefore they, don't, they, they can get in trouble cleaning out their drugs. So we have all kinds of goofy things. We have people opening up capsules and taking half and a quarter. Drives the pharmacist nuts. Drives my colleagues nuts. We have people shaving a little bit off. What do you mean shave a little bit off my oxycodone? Well, you know, you can't break that down any smaller, so just take a little thing and shave some off, you know, and take uh, one pill and a smidgen or something like that. I remember quite distinctly one woman who came to me uh, a number of years ago. She's moved out of state. She had thyroid problems, and I do really, really well with thyroid problems. Here's the deal. It's never your thyroid. Go to my uh, website, I think, under thyroid, and read my article on um, it's not your thyroid. If it was your thyroid, how come you don't get wonderfully better when you go on a thyroid medication? But anyway, we started figuring out the standard doses were too much, so we kept cutting down, 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 down. And I believe what we, I know what we ended up with. We ended up with a quarter of the lowest dose possible twice a week. I realize now she was probably a really poor metabolizer, so just a little smidgen would balance out her thyroid. That's not even supposed to work, but we did the testing and it worked. So again, like I said, I'm pretty creative and all over the board. I can't tell you what I'm going to do with anybody until we do it. So you have to spend a lot of time customizing. And I don't see a lot of practitioners want to do that because it takes a lot of time and they just want to do some snap thing. And then for my alternative colleagues, you know, I have great respect for them, but, you know, if you're a nutritionist or naturopath, you just may not have that kind of training and experience or courage to do that kind of stuff. I'm a fully licensed practitioner, so I have a lot of courage and experience doing that. You mentioned there's some basic questions that you can ask a person to determine really their genetic makeup and whether or not they're heavy or fast metabolizers or slow. Uh, what would be a question or a set of questions you would ask that would determine that a person was a fast metabolizer? You know, it's funny. I thought this was supposed to be the next radio talk show. We'll have to get back to the dopamine and all that stuff at another time. But, for example, um, if people come in with this long list of medications and it always makes them sick, it's a problem. Let me give you a story. I had a patient, hadn't seen him in years. He came back in. We had done his glucose tolerance test. Not many practitioners order glucose tolerance tests. Not many know how to interpret them. And he had severe hypoglycemia years ago. Well, like most patients, he did just enough to feel better and tested once or twice, looked better, off he went. When he came back, he's a mess. He's got uh, all kinds of problems. We just grab his records and say, hey, look, you know, you got cardiovascular stuff, your white and red cells are out of whack, so you're not oxygenated, you probably got infections, your kidney function's in the basement, et cetera. They didn't tell me all that. Well, I'm telling you that. And here's your blood sugar. It's ping pong, too high, too low. They didn't tell me that. So we do all of that, and uh, we're working on that. And he's not getting better. I always have a plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. If you're my patient, you're legitimate. I'll hang in there as long as you'll hang in there. So we finally said, well, you know, we need to, I don't normally repeat a glucose tolerance test. We do that. Yes, it's called latent diabetes. 
His fasting or his regular blood sugar looks pretty good. When you give him some carbohydrates, rockets over 200. That's toxic to everything. So we're working on that for a while. He's, he's not getting better. So I finally said, you know, well, you've got this, all this stuff about all these drugs that weren't working for anxiety and depression and migraines. Why don't, why don't we maybe focus on that? Why don't you get around to doing your genetic testing? I've been on your case for quite some time. And I said, what I need is a list of every drug that was taken in the past. So he comes in, walks down this piece of paper, 30 pain medicine, psychiatric medicine, sleep medications. And he says, which psychiatrist are you going to refer me to at the University of Washington, Swedish, or Virginia Mason, which are the big clinics up in Seattle? And I said, I'm not going to refer you. He's really stunned. And uh, he said, why not? I said, because you go up, they're going to throw drugs at you. But here's what you've got to do. Uh, you've got to just check your genetics. Now, you want to go up there and let them throw drugs at you, I'll be around to clean up the mess, but be my guest. And when he, here he is, he was really, really disappointed because he came back with only one gene and only one gene only, and he was an intermediate metabolizer. And here's what a lot of docs don't know. I had the privilege of one of the companies we work with, they're changing their website all the time. So they'll usually say, if you're an intermediate metabolizer, you're a poor metabolizer, you don't clear the drugs out. But one, one brief version that said, nope, could be ACDC. Could be that sometimes you don't clear them out, and sometimes you need more. It could go either way. Especially if you add in things like acetaminophen, Tylenol, ibuprofen, Advil, anti-inflammatories, caffeine, etc. Anyway, I kind of thought this was going on, but I needed a test to convince this fellow. We had put him on clonazepam long-acting benzodiazepine. You can use it for sleep, anxiety, bipolar, a bunch of things, muscle stuff. And when he had started, we started a low dose because he's sensitive, and the low dose well, didn't quite work. When he went to a full dose, he got a lot of problems, okay? And that's a drug that should last 12 hours. So here's what I said. I said, Mark, what you're going to do, you're going to take that clonazepam, and, and a low dose doesn't quite do it, in a high dose, you can't metabolize it, makes you really sick. You're going to be taking like a quarter or half a to dose um, four, five, six times a day. So I can do that. Let me tell you what happened. Got his life back. Hadn't worked for two years. Anxiety and depression got a whole lot better. Out of control migraine got a whole lot better. We had to do some other work and all that stuff. And I could not have done that without the genetic test because my position would not be legally defensible. If the State Board of Medicines or the FDA came in and said, what are you doing? That's a 12-hour medicine. You can't do it that way. Then I have to start the process of educating them about the cytochrome for 50 genes and the same education process I'm going through right now and said, look, we proved this guy. He does not metabolize the high doses. He needs small and lower doses spaced out through the day. So that's how you do those kinds of things. And you customize it to every person. I would love for you to talk more, David, over 10, about the Marty Hines protocol. Many people are curious about that. Is it the kind of approach where a person begins with taking some supplements as a result of the assessment, and then you have to track that pretty closely every week or every several weeks, and those supplements are then changed over time? How does it work exactly? I want to talk about Marty's protocol, and then I want to talk about a medical protocol. So Marty's protocol, and again, utmost respect, I fire him emails 
most of the time he's a little irritated in my emails because I'm talking about these other things. But in his scheme, he thinks that there's, and I haven't been to any of these trainings, so with, I don't want to be disrespectful. I, I think he's added some other underlying causes. But when I went through it, he said the underlying causes were uh, kidney dysfunction, environmental toxins, nutritional deficiencies, and uh, one other thing. I can't remember what they were. But I've expanded that radically based on medical science. Anyway, so he said, well, you know, you would, it depends on what your problem was. If you thought it was just plain old uh, serotonin kind of things, and there's a long list of those, uh, anxiety, depression, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, if, you, if you're dealing with uh, Parkinson's or you're dealing with uh, weight control because of appetite control, then you would start with the dopamine so, uh, products and products to balance out your kidneys. So what you would do is you would give those things, and you went to do step one, two, three, and then uh, if it wasn't working, then you would get a urine test. There's only, I went to, I've used a lot of urine tests. The one that Dr. Hines developed in his patents is the only one I believe in. And people can't read it, and I think it's about 150 bucks, and uh, has to be drawn a specific time of day because your neurotransmitters drop in the afternoon. And so we'd look at that, and then he would say, uh, well, let's add a bunch of this other stuff. And uh, it would work for most people, but not everybody, okay? Uh, and then if you need to, you keep going and you keep checking the neurotransmitters and all that stuff. So let me give you an example of that process where it could be easy or it could be simple, I mean difficult. Yeah, sure, some people we just did step one and they were fine, and we went to step two and they were fine, step three they were fine. But it's the people when you hit step three that you've got to do the neurotransmitter testing. And uh, and then you got to hold their hands and you got to counsel them and you got to really work with them. And if you do the testing and you make adjustments, you got to really know what you're doing here. So a patient came to me and she was taking Effexor, uh, I think a phenolphylaxin. That's a drug I despise. Won't use it because it uh, damages the cardiovascular system pretty fast and can cause a lot of problems, including hypertension. What it's designed to do? It's a dual agent drug, trying to bring up your serotonin, bring up your norepinephrine. Hey, the sequence is serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine. When, so when you bring them up two at the same time, lots of room for lots of problems. Anyway, as a typical patient, she came to me, anxiety, depression, not working well, you know, all these things. So we start her in on step one of a product called Neuroplete and Cisreplete, and uh, she's not getting better. So we go to step two, and then we go to step three, and she starts getting a notch better. So at some point, you have to start decreasing her drugs. And it could be fast, it could be slow. And I remember the sequence in hers, when she went down a notch on her drugs, you don't just stop it all together, you go down a notch, and she did fine. She went down another notch. And when she did that, her, I think it was her depression came back. So she freaked out and went back to the full dose and dumped all the supplements and came back in. And I said, okay, let's get you back going again. That's not what you should have done. You should have either gone back a little bit more at the drug or she bed with her supplement. So you got that? She said, yeah, yeah. So we go through this again, and she's going down on the drug, down, 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 slowly, very slowly, because she was a severe case. And she gets anxiety. Zips all the way back to the top again, dumps out the supplements, and then she has her side effects of her drugs. Let's come back in, we do this all over again. And uh, so, sequence again, she's going down, sleep, she has problems sleep, goes back to the full dose of the drug, which was causing sleep problems, and so I get her through that. And incredibly, People do not know that serotonin and dopamine regulate your gut functions. Yeah, that's true. You make some uh, serotonin and dopamine in your gut, but I have found treating the gut straightens out the serotonin and the dopamine because it's the kidneys and the heart that make it more so. But anyway, she got some constipation, so back to the full doses, and we get through all this stuff. 
She also has cognitive impairments. A lot of people have cognitive impairments. We should talk sometime how we have some uh, really easy ways to figure that out. But we got her through all that. And then about a year later, she comes back and she says, I got this constipation. And what do you think the, what do you think the cause is? You know, I've been eating all this fiber and drinking all this water and exercising and trying all the natural products and everything and I get to the health food store and at the pharmacy. It's not working. I go, don't you remember? Had to do with your serotonin dopamine? No, no, you didn't tell me that. You know, okay, well, well you know what? I'll tell you what. Let's put you back on a smidgen of the supplements and get your, your um, neurotransmitters under control, which I also want to make a point. Not, people don't always have to take supplements for neurotransmitters forever. Some people, you take it for a period of time, system resets. Great. Some people take it for a while, stop them, they start, start them again. If you treat the underlying causes, which is cardiovascular, immune, kidneys, blood sugar, some other problems, you have a better chance of getting off your supplements. Although that probably wouldn't happen. If you, that's not going to happen if you have uh, Parkinson's. You're going to need to be on a tremendous amount of dopamine support. So that give you another some better idea. You mentioned earlier that uh, you had some interesting comments to make about uh, scans, brain scans, and tremors. Okay, so here we go. We're, now we're back on uh, target here. So let's talk about um, a patient named Dee. She's very near and dear to my heart. She'd seen a ton of patients, people, and um, misread the basic labs. So we, we look at this and we go, wow, you know, wait a minute, you've got kidney problems, you've got cholesterol problems, um, white cells, red cells, abnormal. This is kidney and cardiovascular problems and uh, blood sugar problems. So we do a little more testing to prove that to her. And we actually test her out for infections because her white blood cells weren't normal. And she had um, cytomegalovirus, Epstein-Barr, uh, mycoplasma, uh, very, very common infections. And they cause cardiovascular disease. It's, they just go to the CDC website. You can find that stuff. Information happened to me. Anyway, so we're working all through that. And she has uh, some tremors. But that's not my focus, uh, dealing with the tremors. But everybody's diagnosed um, benign tremors, benign essential tremors. That means essentially you don't know what's going on. It's like essential hypertension. They essentially don't know what's going on. It's usually the kidneys and some other things causing the hypertension. Anyway, she was starting to have problems with dizziness. And I'm focused on all these other things, and she keeps complaining about dizziness. doesn't give me time to work on that. So I finally say, go see an ear, nose, and throat specialist, and she does. Uh, when I get her brain scan back, this is what it shows. By the way, neurology read it as, as normal. Uh, or NT read it as normal, excuse me. She had small vessel disease, very common. Who gets small vessel disease? Everybody before they get large vessel disease and women and younger patients. And you can go to my website, www.natmeds.net. Go to, I believe it's under circulation. Go to small vessel disease, and you'll see right there it's paired with something called nitric oxide depletion and TIAs or transient ischemic attacks. They're not mini strokes. There's no such thing as a mini stroke. They're small strokes, and you want to prevent it from being big strokes. So anyway, I look at her brain scan, and she has extensive small vessel disease. We do need to talk about how to read the scan, who reads the scans. That's usually due to ischemia, which is a term nobody can pronounce but lack of oxygen, and or microclots. And what's really interesting in her case is down in the lower regions of her brain, it was degenerating that she had brain atrophy. Wow, they read this as normal. So I said, okay, here, here's the deal. Time is brain. Time is brain. Time is brain. You need to give me time to protect your brain. So our priorities now are um, prevent a second stroke, stop the small vessel damage, curtail whatever we can, 
and preserve your brain function so you don't fall and break your bone and then bones and die and you don't get dementia like your mother did. By the way, her her brother had Parkinson's. So we're working on all that. And you can imagine she's uh, taken a lot of nutritional supplements and she's complaining. They're not doing anything. She said, they're not supposed to do anything. They're supposed to protect you. And uh, maybe your dizziness and things will get better. She's uh, 90 years old. Anyway, she decided she wanted to go off and treat uh, the tremors. I said, you don't want to do that. Drugs ain't going to work. And uh, they have a lot of side effects in your case. And we don't know yet if we improve the blood supply into the areas that are damaged, will your tremors get better? So she starts on a beta blocker. A beta blocker is lower your blood pressure. Just normal blood pressure. If you lower that pressure in the brain, what do you think is going to happen? She passes out and falls down. All right, so then we decide, or somebody decides, they're going to try clonazepam. You can use clonazepam for central tremors. There's lots of different kinds of tremors. So she would have a central central nervous system tremors. I said, I don't think it's a great idea, but okay, we want to do that. We're going to try some ridiculously low dose. Hey, she gets dizzy and falls down. Why? Because it's a brain depressant. Okay. Anyway, so she decides to get a neurology consult, and the neurologist repeats the scan. This is what it showed, Robert. No more atrophy. <laughs> because, why? Because we already knew she had blood sugar problems, and that'll shrink your brain, but we got more blood supply in there. She still had her small vessel disease and her microclots, but all that degenerative stuff down in the lower portion of the brain, gone. And uh, I see you have a question, but make sure we come back on this uh, show or another show, how I learned about reading brain scans and uh, what was really going on. And make sure we tell our listeners to look at uh, the Life Extension magazine. That's www.lef.org, March 2004. You can see the picture right there. It's yep. about white matter changes. I need to tell the story how I figured that out. How? Who reads a scan and how do you read a scan and what do you do with those scans? By the way, we do use some Life Extension products, uh, not many, and I have great respect for Life Extension but I wouldn't agree with a single supplement they're saying to treat the per- Well, maybe uh, a few of them would help to some degree, but I, we use life extension pro- uh, information or for information so you get some concepts. We generally use distinctly different con- uh, supplements and treatment programs in life extension. How does an individual work with you on drug interactions and reducing prescription drugs? Well, um that's really tricky. It would. The law requires me. You're getting into a gray area, and that gray area is um, telemedicine. As a matter of fact, I was at a medical side meeting just uh, last week, and uh, in our state, they're run, running legislation to try to clarify this telemedicine. In the old system, if you're managing drugs, you have to be seen face to face. That is the requirement. And our problem is our medical boards, the people who sit on medical boards are very conservative, so we all know there's this thing called telemedicine, and we can do Skype and telephone conversations. So if I'm just ordering lab tests, I can order lab tests in almost every state of the union, or if you're out of the country, send you the forms and get your tests done there and send them back, and we'll interpret them. If I'm just doing supplements, okay, I can do that. That's fine. I'm not violating the boards in any way, so long as I stay within my parameters. When you get into drugs, that gets real tricky. It's upon the drug that you were using. It could be as simple as a person has to come see me just one time per year to manage the drugs. Depends upon the drugs you're using. If they're controlled substances, no, that's not going to work. 
Uh, so we're still working that out and trying to stay in the legal parameters, which I think is kind of ridiculous on whether it has to be seen. Because, look, you can go to WebMD. You can find get a doc pretty quickly, and he's going to send you a drug across state borders, but that may not be legal. So you'd either have to see me or we'd have to work something out one way or the other. It depends upon which drugs you're trying to manipulate and how many you're trying to manipulate and how easy it goes. But it could be done perhaps over the phone or Skype, depending upon the drugs and what we're doing. Sounds like they need to contact you to work that out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, people call us all the time. My heart really goes out to them. Let's go back to this fellow from South Africa. Trolling around, he found my website article. He figured out he probably had Coxsackie virus. He, he uh, took that information, got the docs to do the testing, and then, but the docs say there's no drugs. No, there's, yes, there is. Uh, there's actually a sequence of what you have to do for viruses, but that's a whole other talk show. But it could be as simple as starting several drugs. So we just referred him to the website and said, hey, well, here's the drugs. Go get somebody to prescribe those drugs. However, uh, somebody has to tell you that with big cases, you have to go much higher doses, and there's some other steps that you have to do. And if the drugs failed for treating a virus, here's where they fail. They don't kill the virus. They, they work in one specific area and one specific area only to slow down the virus taking over your DNA. They slow down the virus is taking over your DNA. Well, it, it just doesn't work. You know, you've got to do supplements and things. So in that particular case, if somebody had Epstein-Barr, cytomegalovirus, or their viruses, Coxsackie virus, if it was a prescription drug, those are safe. Those are very, very safe drugs. Uh, all the side effects you're talking about, I don't know what they're talking about, or I can explain why we don't see them. But that person would have to see me only once a year. So here's this guy with Coxsackie virus, which is very, very serious. Read the article, type A and type B. It causes heart disease, autoimmune things. He might ultimately have to jump in a plane and fly here to South Africa. There might be some other ways to get around that, but I'm uh, not at liberty to discuss those over the phone. Well, how do people get in touch with you exactly? Oh, uh, they can call my office. That's your best bet, um, 360-357-8054. Could you do that slower? Uh, oh, 360-357-8054. Or you can um, send us an email at questions at natmeds.net. Again, you can find that. Uh, Could you um, please spell that for sure. us, David? Uh, questions, as, just like it sounds. Uh, Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S at nat, N-A-T meds, M-E-D-S, dot net. Um, and again, you can find that on my website or on the, sh the information on the screen. I, I will tell you, though, we're uh, a little slow to getting back to you on uh, web requests because uh, we're so overwhelmed, but we will get back to you. And I will tell you, if you try to start getting me to manage all of your problems and answering all of your questions, it's not going to happen. If it's something simple, like we had a request for magnesium shots. Uh, there's a very specific form of magnesium shots. We use it quite frequently for cardiovascular problems, direct equivalent to some of the cardiovascular drugs, according to the FDA information. And a woman contacts us from Thailand and said, hey, you know, what's, what's the form of the shot and all this? It was a relatively simple concept, so I said, you know, it's magnesium sulfate. This is what you need. Hopefully you can find somebody who knows what they're doing and the dosing and all that stuff. If she needed more information, she'd have to contact me and register and be a patient. So if it's simple, 
we're gonna we might be able to help you. If it's complex, we're gonna say you got to become a patient because my patients are my priority. Somebody I don't know talking to the telephone on the internet is not my priority. My priority is taking care of my own patients. It's just the realities of the world. So you've covered uh, a large number of incredibly fascinating points, David. What is the one point that you would most like for listeners to remember that you've made today? Find a practitioner who knows about these things. Trust them. Work with them. Many of the concepts I just brought up Physicians at MDs either are not aware of or cannot understand. And in the environment we have today, patients are trained to ask a lot of questions to try to understand everything. I spend an enormous amount of time trying to explain things that patients will never understand. If you trust that practitioner, you're better to go with the flow and say, it's working or it's not working. I have a side effect. I don't have a side effect. If it's not working, go to plan B, plan T, and plan C. And I want to drive this point home because I was doing so much of Marty Hines' um, supplements. And by the way, because they're so expensive, we did figure out some of our own. Not as good, but a lot less expensive, so that's an alternative. Um, he was paying to fly me to his conferences, and that was really fun. And the first time I went to his conference, this whole thing about the kidneys and all that stuff, you know, I'm pretty technical, so I got it really fast. The second time I went back, just to brush up, there was a number of practitioners in that room. Uh, the majority of them were MDs, some naturopaths, some nutritionists, some nurse practitioners, some PAs like myself, just a mishmash of the people. There was two of us in the room that understood. I was one of them. You know, you either get this really fast or you don't get this really fast about the kidneys and all this stuff. So how could patients really understand it if MPs didn't? Uh, so when you're working with that practitioner, you trust them and go with what they say, or you can spend a lot of time and a lot of money trying to explain stuff that you might not understand. Where are your clinic offices located? Uh, we're in Lacey, Washington, which is uh, right next to Olympia, Washington, beautiful capital of uh, Washington, right on uh, College Way and uh, Lacey and College Street. And if you do come to see us, uh, my wife uh, did figure out uh, we can give you the information. You fly into a SeaTac, come down here. There's some hotels and restaurants around and whatnot, so we're kind of pulling together a package of that. Uh, but it, it's pretty easy to find the office. David Overton, I'm so pleased that I was finally successful in convincing you to come on the radio show today and talk about the number of incredible discoveries that you've made over the years. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Uh, thank you much for asking me, and I hope I have a chance to come back and talk about some other topics uh, in the future. We will have you back on this show soon, I can rest assure you. And if you'd like to get additional information about the many programs and services that are provided by Parkinson's Recovery, you can always go to the main website, which is www.parkinsonsrecovery.com, 
or simply enter the search with the two words, Parkinson's and the word recovery. We come up number one on any search engine. You'll see on that main website links to all of the other many, many different websites and programs that I subsidize through Parkinson's Recovery to help individuals who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's disease get healing and a reversal of those symptoms. This is Robert Rogers, and this is Parkinson's Recovery, and that's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact you are listening to this radio show today, that you indeed are on the road to recovery. Good day. Bill Collins. No. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.